Joe Gagney here, welcoming you to edition 17 of Joe vs. the World. My guest today is a longtime contributor to the Death Valley Driver video review, the author of about a million work rate reports, and uh, he has a new blog called Segunda Caída. He is Phil Schneider. Phil, how you doing? Uh, not bad, not bad. It is Schneider, right? I didn't want to... It is Schneider. Okay, that's good. All right, well... I guess we should start with the uh, the breaking news yesterday of Kurt Angle uh, being gone from the WWE. Um, what, what did you think when you saw that? I mean, it didn't shock me. I mean, it, I wasn't kind of shocked that Vince McMahon fired him before uh, before he died. Mm. But I wasn't shocked that, you know, they could get, uh, they got rid of him. I'm assuming uh, they did it because, you know, three weeks from now when he drops out, they can claim he didn't work for us, is my assumption. Yeah, we don't know a lot about why they released it, whether they did it for his own benefit or their own, or probably a combination of the two. But, yeah, very surprising story. And um, I, I sincerely hope Kurt Angle is done with wrestling completely. And... He's not. I mean, I, you know, it's, uh, I would assume that uh, his, his agent was him getting fired. I'm assuming that right now his agent's uh, calling K-1 or Pride. Oh, God. What was I yeah, I mean, you know, he's crazy, and it's wrestling is scummy business, and one would assume that he would, uh, the combination of those two means that somebody's willing to give him money to, uh, continue to, uh, to, uh, to kill himself. Yeah. So, you know, you gotta think, if you're a wrestling fan, you have to, there's some disconnect between enjoying what goes on and knowing that it, uh, what it does to the people who perform in it. I mean, it's a boxing fan, too. It's the same sort of thing, right? You know, you're, you're, uh, you enjoy, you can really enjoy a fight, but then, you know, you know there's also, an idea that people end up, you know, like Muhammad Ali or, or, or uh, you know, he's like James, James Tony, like that. Yeah. So. That's very true. But, All right, well, that's, that's oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's wrestling. It's wrestling. It's a scummy business. I would imagine that, uh, I mean, you know, it, 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 if you read this, you know, read the internet, our message board, other ones, you get a combination of two, you know, people who are, really excited about him, you know, working an armory somewhere against mm. Roderick Strong and then also people. I mean, I read somebody on, a, uh, on the board who said this was the saddest thing he'd ever heard. And it was kind of that way. It's kind of like, hey, man, you should uh, read a newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, but I'm, I'm, start... a, I'm a cynic, you know. I, you know it's, uh... Yeah, I, I kind of got that, that sense. <laughs> you got the sense. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think that the as far as they did it, probably did it for his own good. I I don't, you know, Vince Vince McMahon is a uh, is uh, a guy who, who uh, uh, you know wanted wanted uh, wanted to run an angle where he impregnated his daughter and is currently oh, yeah. currently making a grieving widow a heel matter. Not a guy who mm-hmm. does a lot of things for other people's good. That's that's very true. So All we'll right. start with we'll start with the basics. How long have you been? Uh... Your, how long have I been wrestling for? Yeah. Oh, God, I don't know. Since I was probably around 8 or 9, so that would be, and I'm 30 now. So, I guess 22 years, because Lord, I'm old. Uh, yeah, 22 years, I think my first, I can I remember starting watching, like, Saturday nights, main events right around, uh, right around, in between WrestleMania 1 and WrestleMania 2. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my I found AWA. And uh, AWA on uh, on ESPN, and then like uh, Worldwide Wrestling aired at like twelve in the morning, which I used to like pretend I was asleep and watch like late at night in my room. 
So I was probably bigger. I uh, started out as a WWE fan as a little kid, but then became more of a NWA fan. I see. And when did you get into uh, Japan and uh, other stuff outside uh, the United States? I remember being I remember being really into Shinya Hashimoto when he showed up in uh, WCW as part of I think it was like one of their uh, one of those tag tournaments that we used to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and him uh, when he, when he, I remember he kicked the holy hell out of Jimmy Garvin. <laughs> really, really into this fat, fat guy, fat elvis looking guy with sideburns, like cracking Jimmy Garvin's ribs with kicks. So I remember at some point, at some point, like I would read, uh, I'm sure you did this too, we'd read like the rest of the magazines. Um, and they'd always talk about like uh, Japan Max, you always really psyched to see. And, you, know, yeah. like, you know, the kind of o- the little OCD-ish thing of a guy who was into baseball, read all the Bill James abstracts, and, you know, the kind of like thing like, oh man, I, really, I wish I could see this Japanese master talking about, and then when you started to be able to do that, right, when you started being, uh, you know, team trading started showing up. I, uh, you know, started, uh, I found a Japanese video store near my house in the senior high school and uh, grabbed some Japanese tapes and made some copies of them and started trading them over there and got way too many, way too many videotapes that are now in boxes uh, as a useless media <laughs> in the back of my closet here in my apartment. Um, but uh, for a while, and, you know, when I, when I uh, hooked up with Dean and the Death Eye driver, I mean, he used to get uh, tapes of current Japanese TV set from him. Uh, by a guy named Glenn in Japan, like every like two weeks, they always like dump me a copy of that. So there's a while, like around the late '90s, where I would watch, you know, everything. Yeah, because Glenn would send a tape, or it would be like, you know, there'd be some mechanical probes of battle arts to be excited about. But then there was also some JD, and if you felt like I sent you some JD from Japan, you had to watch the JD. So you watched it, and you were like, ah, oh, this is JD. Making it for those who don't know. Obscure wrestling reference, J.D., really mediocre uh, women's promotion in the last around 99, 2001. Like the most underwhelming Japanese wrestling. So that's why I got into that, and then Lucha, and, I don't know, indie wrestling, and, and now, uh, you know, whatever. Shows up at my house on, on, the, on a DVD I'll watch. Yeah. Brought my computer in a, in, a, in a video file. Yeah, it must have been hard to follow Japanese wrestling. I mean, I've, I've just pulled out an old, tape, an old tape today, and it had been dubbed so many times, it looked like the Zapruder film. And now, I mean, nowadays you get you get DVDs, like, you know, a month after the show. They're great quality, dirt cheap. I mean, it was it was work back then following this stuff. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, you got the advantage of, uh, got the, I got the advantage of Dean having, like, the hookup from the guy from Japan. So you used to get mm-hmm. the stuff every, you know, later, but, like, every, and you'd get it consistently. So then you could, uh, you know... It's, it's a dirty, uh, dirty habit. You, dirty habits you need to put some work into. That's the reason they're. Uh, <laughs> that's the reason they're nerdy. Yeah. And how'd you but, uh, get hooked up with Dean in the uh, Death Valley Driver? Was it just common interest you saw him posting online? Yeah, I don't think we traded a tape or something like that. You know, in 1996, we traded him a tape in '96, and you know, Richmond's not far from DC, so which is where I'm at. And so we uh, we uh, started shooting the shit. You know over the internet, every email, and, you know, uh, ended up, uh, I think I went up to, went, went up to Richmond for, like, a WCW show or something, you know, mm-hmm. back then. These are good guys that we were, uh, then we used to shoot the shit over the phone before he had eight kids. <laughs> going on. Then he said, hey, you should start writing for this, too. And I was like, okay, I started writing for it. And I actually went to college with Phil Reppa. Oh. We actually went to college together. Um, so that's how he got involved, and then just random people started showing up. 
you know, was the third person. And then uh, now there's, uh, I don't know, probably been 12 or 13 over the course of years. A lot of them are like sort of, everybody's sort of, a, most of the people are sort of around Richmond, D.C., Mm. Like uh, like local folks, like Tom, uh, Tom Kay did the blog with me. He lives in D.C., so he uh, I I work a weird schedule in Tennessee, so he's often like wandering over to my house at like one in the morning on a Tuesday uh, Tuesday night Tuesday morning to watch wrestling. And you know, Raven Raven Mack lives in Virginia. Ryan uh, lives in Virginia. Marcel lives in D.C. So everybody's kind of like local folks, which I... makes it easy because we got somebody to do stupid wrestling shit with. How? See, well, that's good. And uh, speaking of old tapes, I found one of my old uh, Schneider comps. Oh yeah, Those you know are, uh, that that's the thing. DVD, well, that's the thing. DVDs did, man. Is they uh, took all the profit out of big uh, tape dealers. <laughs> okay, so one of the Schneider comps for twenty bucks. That's that's actual money now. What it'd be like four? Yeah, it would be four. Totally worth the sweat off your brow to make that to do that. That was fun. Now, I, I used to really enjoy making those. I, at some point, I want to get my hands on the new. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm old. I'm an old and a Jew. And we're not good at technology, so it's like, uh, so, so, so it's, uh, so like, you know, I was able to hit the, hit the, I was able to figure out how to make uh, de- uh, tapes, but I still have to outsource all the DVDs that get made. I had uh, uh, Bix, uh, Dave Bix made did all the DVDs for this '80s project we're doing. Um, actually, made them. Um, for the uh, WWF, the WWF. I don't know if you guys know about this. What, how much overlap there is in your show and our board? But what we've been doing, one of the cool things we've been doing over there on the Death Valley over the last I don't know year, I guess, is we're trying to do a major uh, project of figuring out what the best matches of the '80s are. And we decided to kind of go whole hog about it and make DVD comps of uh, all these different, you know, territories and areas, and send them out to people and have them vote. Um, so we did the WWF one, uh, and now we're doing the other Japan one. I don't know, um, which we were sort of. I, I'm currently. I don't know how I uh, vol- how I ended up volunteering to make all the copies and stuff. Something I, I usually don't volunteer to do work. I usually come up with the ideas and, and have somebody else do the work. But some, for some reason, I decided to get industrious, and I am currently making all these other Japan DVDs. And I think we're probably. The first round of getting them out, we're doing, but I think we're probably going to offer a chance for people to buy some hmm. still. But it's pretty cool. The uh, WWF one, I just watched the 100 DVD. I had uh, David Bixley and Chris Zellner actually pulled down the WWF into 100, mm-hmm. which God bless them because I could barely get through that 100 matches. And I cannot imagine having to sit, you know, watch like you know, a thousand matches to get to the 100. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I saw the 20-minute uh, Tito Santana draws that made the set. I can't oh. imagine what the 20-minute Tito Santana draws that didn't make the set were like. Like where you watch that, this Tito Santana draw, and we're like, ah, this one isn't as good as this <laughs> one that I, that I had to claw my eyes out when I watched three in a row of. But the other Japan stuff, man, is, uh, is really cool. That one I actually, me and Tom actually did do the full-on, complete uh, nerd move of watching every single other Japan match that exists on videotape to call down to the 75 wow. we had. We watched them all week. Uh, uh, Bix, and Chris Zellner did too, I think, uh, or at least watched almost all of them. But Bix like, put all this stuff on, found all these uh, DVDs through his uh, tentacles of, uh, of, of nerd and trading, like every, everything that was out there, everything on Lynch's list, everything that people Lynch didn't have but other people had, we got. 
And then over the course of, I don't know, six, uh, four or five months, we just watched all of it. And the set is great. I don't, I don't, a lot of people, I'm sure, have decided to like sit this one out because it wasn't something they were familiar with and they didn't take the like shoot style. But it is a blast. And I'm recommending everybody, if they didn't get it the first time around, pick it up. Because we, we, we did 75 matches instead of 50. Uh, we were originally going to do 50. And the kind of what we ended up doing is we, we, when we were done with it, when we watched everything, we realized 50 would be 50 really great matches. Mm-hmm. You kind of want a set of 50 really great matches. That's kind of what I discovered when I was doing a Schneider Cup. You don't want 50 great matches. You want about, you know, you in one set. You want to have some great matches. You want to have some matches that aren't that great, but you want to see anyway. You know what I mean? You yeah. can't have all. No, you don't want all power guitars. No, you don't want all killer, no feller. When you're doing sure. something like that. You know what I mean? Like the Snyder Cops, you used to watch those. They, were, they weren't all great matches. There were a Kawada versus Masawa, and then there was, like, you know, a Fitzfinley versus Lorenzo. <laughs> you're, not dropping five, you're not dropping five stars on Fitzfinley versus Lorenzo, but uh, you want to watch Fitzfinley versus Lorenzo, and you're happy you saw Fitzfinley versus Lorenzo. I think I have that tape. So. You have that tape. Is that I a have great that match, one. though? Is that, that a great match? You, you're happy you saw Fitzfinley Lorenzo, right? You sure. wouldn't, you know. And uh, this has a lot of this has a lot of really really fun Fit Finley versus Lorenzo ish matches on it. <laughs> um, there's a Joe LaDuke uh, Caruso versus Onita Dick Murdoch match for maybe I think maybe the fourth FNW show ever. Oh wow! Which is probably going to finish seventy two out of seventy five <laughs> deservedly, but. It's something, I, th- I can't imagine anybody who get these steps, watch that match and go, man, I don't know why the hell they put on this. Carrizo <laughs> versus Joe, Joe LaDuke versus Dick Murdoch don't need a match. And there's, um, I thought it was Johnny Barrett versus Minoru Suzuki. And Johnny Barrett is this guy. Uh, we had to decide, we had to decide what Johnny Barrett match to put on. Cause none of them were that good, but you had to put on a Johnny Barrett and UWF1 matches. Cause he, apparently, we had looked him up, cause it was like, who the hell is this guy? He's like a, um, he's like kind of he kind of was a little like a slightly slimmer Ralphie May that guy was on stand, last comic standing he's the one that was bad ball of media and he's like a Florida like a four early 80s Florida indie worker kind of guy who would be on a, a show with like a Steve Kern and Joe Malenko and like a, a pre-Jimmy Del Rey Jimmy Backler like that's the card he would work in Florida and he was a guy who worked at work clearly, although I've never seen him outside of UWF, was clearly a guy working kind of a uh, a fat, crybaby heel gimmick with comedy bumps and a dropkick. Like a really poor man's indie buddy rose. <laughs> so if you can imagine what a poor man's indie buddy rose in a, like an amateur wrestling singlet working as like a, like a fake Greco-Roman guy versus Minoru Suzuki. In, UW, in the 80s in UWF would look like. Can you imagine? Like, can you? Is that something that's able, you're able to visualize? I'm I'm getting a picture. I don't know if it's uh... <laughs> what that picture would be. Yeah. But, yeah. So it's not a good match, really. But the fact is, when we're watching a uh, an inexplicable Florida Indies guy working a fake Buddy Rose gimmick as a, a Greco-Roman wrestler, but slash Buddy Rose working. Minoru Suzuki in 1989. You got to go. You know, I don't think this is going to finish 73, right? Maybe one spot above the Kreisu tag. Should finish 73, 
but it feels like something now that I've discovered I want to share with everyone. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff like that. I, I'm okay. We didn't. We were under one of the last matches that made the cut, which I, which I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna pester Bix to put up on YouTube or something like that. Didn't make the cut. I was gonna have as an extra, but we didn't have room for extras. Was uh, it was uh, Jado? I think maybe in his third wrestling match. And everybody, you you watch a fair amount of Japanese wrestling now? Sure. You know Jado. Nobody likes Jado. No, no, <laughs> no, guys no. always guys always screwing up whatever match you were enjoying. Like, <laughs> so Jade, it's Jado. Uh, it is maybe third wrestling match ever against Carisu. I don't know if how uh, now Carisu may be too obscure. Right? This guy, weird guys, who whose basic gimmick was nothing but, and he still works the same gimmick. You know, twenty years later or or, or sixteen years later, he works in Big Bad Loud Jazz. He's this old guy, an old garbage wrestler, whose basic gimmick is that he like you know works on. He's unprofessional. He's like a guy who who you know you know kicks somebody in the eye with the toe of his boot. So it's like this maybe six-minute match of rookie Jado, maybe his third match ever, like legitimately getting horrifically like Reginald Denny level beaten by Carrizo in a way that it doesn't appear to be a wrestling match. This isn't a wrestling match. This is a guy, one guy's really drunk at a bar and ends up, you know, ends up in the urinal accidentally peeing on a biker's leg, and then this is what happens to him. So it's like, so it's not, it wasn't like an actual, it wasn't an actual wrestling match. I felt weird about putting it on the list. But so, Bix, if you're going to listen to this, put this up on YouTube. People need to see. Anybody who sat through like a Jado single match from the top of the year one year and like this motherfucker needs to see him, uh, needs to see him, uh, Carisu killing him. Wow. So that's, now, my, show, that's my show for these sets. So uh, pick one. We're probably going to be selling them in a, in a week or something like that. So if you didn't. Didn't send me blank DVDs. Yeah. Uh, pick them up. Yeah. Now, what was going on in the 80s in D.C.? I mean, people know in the 90s you had uh, FMW, Michinoku Pro, Battle Arts, but what was what was going on in the 80s in Japan? In Japan? In Japan? Well, they yeah. had... Uh, the, our our uh, set's got, I think, six promotions in it. Uh, the first one was IWE, which was around a lot in the 70s, too, and was a promotion that, um, that uh, had, as its main guy, Russia Kamara, who ended up being like a com after he retired, after he left out of UA, he was old, and he ended up uh, being like kind of a comedy guy in all Japan. So a lot of people, most people probably, American wrestling fans would know him as one of the four old guys in the opening of every all Japan match. Yeah. But this was back when he was, you know, a, a, a bigger, big star, and he was like known as the king of the cage matches. So he'd have a lot of cage matches in the 70s. They brought over guys, Ox Baker and uh, Gypsy Joe and Andre the Giant was over there for a while. And so, so, so the first, I think it la- the, that was a promotion that lasted to '81, or middle '81 or something like that. And so they had about we had a, they uh, had about you know a year and a half in the '80s. So there's a so the, the sets start out with like a half a dozen IWE matches, which in IWE was kind of sort of pedestrian '80s wrestling for the most part. You know, really sort of slow. And this was also a promotion that was really dying. So it was like at this point they didn't have they lost I think at one point I think they may have had an AWA connect so they bought used to bring over AWA guys at this point they didn't have that anymore so they're bringing over like outlaw guys like Spike Huber there's a uh, Spike Huber match on there I don't know if anybody knows who Spike Huber the guy who Spike Huber he's a guy who uh, used to be Dick the Bruiser's son-in-law oh. and uh, was a guy who's really pushed heavily 
as Dick the Bruiser's son-in-law, and then uh, then he got divorced from Dick the Bruiser's daughter, <laughs> and uh, then would ended up wrestling for a while after that, but couldn't. But was blackballed basically, right? So imagine if Helmsley, if uh, if Stephanie actually caught Helmsley sodomizing Michael, and that was something she cared about. I, I suspect that <laughs> I suspect that it may not be. But uh, but what, if, if that happened, and then he'd have to work like JPW, <laughs> you know, like your USA Pro shows, or you know, yeah, you know, uh, like uh, you know, are all uh, are all like Harley be work constantly working uh, uh, Rick Steiner Harley Race promotions. Oof. So that's what that's Spike Huber. So he was the guy they brought over, and you know, and a bunch of like Spike Huber sex guys, still Gypsy Joe. And they brought over some like kind of random luchadors uh, to uh, Killer Carl. Killer Carl Krupp was in that promotion at that point. He was the lesser of the KKK guys. Not the guy whose uh, initials were KKK was not Killer Carl Cox. Killer Carl Krupp, the lesser guy to work that gimmick. Um, there's actually one of my favorite matches on the IWA that we shouldn't make the second. He wasn't actually any good. Was a match where Killer Carl Krupp was teamed with Alexis Smirnoff, hmm. um, which, it, which doesn't make any sense off. And Killer Carl Krupp was working like an aristocratic German gimmick, like a guy with a monocle. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the initials KKK. And, and, and since I don't know at what point the, aris, the German aristocracy ever got along with the Russians, but those of them as a heel tag didn't make any sense at all. Wow. Uh, your, 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 aristocrat, your aristocratic Nazi... Uh, German teaming with a rush. I guess this was a pre. This was back during the before the uh, the when Stalin and Hitler had a pact, but before okay. they left. And then they do have the breakup and the and that match. They end up fighting in the match. It was like a, you know partners don't get along thing. So it actually was the uh, it was uh, the uh, the match actually was a historical representation of World War Two. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Germans and Russians were teaming, and then the Germans turn on the Russians. And it cost them a man. They weren't working a British and American wrestler, though, I think, which would have made, unfortunately, or Japanese oh. kind of throws off the symmetry of it. Um, so that was, so IWA. So there's a handful IWA on there. There's a couple of great, uh, really, really fun matches. Three really fun matches with a tag team of Carlos Plata and El Doberman, who are really great, really early 80s luchadors that really don't exist, they don't exist really on tape. They call us wow. Potomac one, one or two matches against Fujinami, but guys that like don't exist on tape anyplace else show up at IWA and they're pretty awesome. Uh, so that, that, those are really worth seeing. I think we have a couple, like maybe a Russia match on there and a Spike Huber match and some early Mighty Anyway. So IWA. Then there wasn't anything after IWA for a while. Um, and then the UWF1 started up, okay. which was a, which was um, Maida, Maida leaving New Japan. I don't know, I'm not, my history is going to be slightly off here. My Ida leaves New Japan with Takada, um, who at that point was kind of a rookie, Asamu Kido, and uh, Fujiwara, mm-hmm. and Sayama, uh, Tiger Mask. They all leave. And they sort of, it starts out as just kind of, uh, it's funny, the first show isn't really shoot style at all. Like, the whole thing they brought in shoot style, the first show was just kind of a wrestling match. It was a wrestling show. It had Grand Abad on it, and Russia, and made a bet with Akira Maeda, Dutch Mantel. Uh, <laughs> Did which, that make uh, a set, or? 
which, which unfortunately was not as good as what oh. my industrial tell was. I was really looking forward to that. That was one of the matches where we started getting all the stuff. I was like, ooh, I always wanted to see a Kiramaita Dutch Mantel. Not very good. Kiramaita actually wasn't very good in the, uh, in the mid-80s. That's like the, the thing at least I found on these tapes was kind of Maida was really disappointing for a lot of it, although he got very he got good in the second UWF. And Takata, for a guy that I remember liking when I used to watch a fair amount of UWF, I, and is clearly the most pimped guy out of all those guys ever, that, you know, like, he's the guy that always, everybody will say the best guy. The guy who's pretty consistently disappointed me. And uh, UWF 1 was all about Fujiwara uh, and Kido. And, Fuji, and UWF 2 was all about Fujiwara. And Fujiwara is the guy that I'm really going to be trying to do. I'm trying to do the renaissance of Fujiwara, kind of like me and Tom did for Dustin Rowe. He's the guy people need to be need to be getting on in this set. So that's UWF 1. UWF 1 kind of falls apart because Maeda and Sayama have a falling out. And Maeda ends up getting fired from UWF 1 because he kicked Sayama legitimately in the balls in the match. Maeda's <laughs> <laughs> the guy who will kick you legitimately in places. That's kind of what he does. Everybody knows what breaking tells you, but he also, he also like, you know, kicks Sayama in the balls like four times in a match they had against each other. Um, and so he gets fired, and then they really have like one more show and kind of fold, and Sayama basically leaves wrestling at that point for, I don't know, for like, I don't know exactly how long. Well, he left for a while, probably, you know, 10 years maybe. Uh, leaves wrestling, writes a book about how it's all fake, and doesn't come back until he's kind of old and fat, like, yeah. you know, in the, in the late 90s. Um, then, so everybody in UWF1, outside of Sayama, kind of goes back to New Japan. And they have a really, really great view, which I'm sure will be all over the New Japan 80s stuff. But um, if you're looking for random stuff to get into, uh, there's like people, there's like a, there's like a DVD box set of Bass View, which is kind of available at your places where you buy DVDs. That's really, really, really awesome. They have, there's a five-on-five five, uh, match between the UWF guys and New Japan match. New Japan guys, which I know my buddy Rod Naylor says is his favorite match of the night, uh, maybe second favorite match of the entire 1980s. And wow. I would say it's probably right up there. So that's, that's worth everybody was thinking. They all go to um, they all go to New Japan, and then uh, Maeda kicks uh, gets fired from New Japan for legitimately kicking Choshu in the face, and <laughs> then they all sort of uh, all most of, a lot of them you know Maeda Takata Yamazaki uh, Yoji Anjo and all those guys uh, go form uh, UWF two, mm-hmm. which is the second UWF and. Um, and Fujiwara joins them again in like '89, uh, and that's uh, and they have that for a while. That that lasts, I think, till about '91 or '92, and that breaks up. Maeda goes to Rings, Takata goes to UWFI, and Fujiwara forms Fujiwara Gumi. And then there's a big breakup in the '90s. So, so the '80s, so there's the two UWF IWA, and then there's um, Ricky Choshu has like a promotion for a minute which was kind of a promotion and kind of like a fake All Japan promotion. But we stuck a couple matches from it in this one. Um, that was like the, it was supposedly a Choshu's Army promotion called Japan Pro Wrestling, I think. They ran maybe a handful, a half a dozen or a dozen shows as sort of a part of the feud between New Japan, between, uh, between All Japan and Ricky Choshu. So there was a couple matches from that. Um, then there was a, we have one match from the Kawagajiri Memorial Show, who was like the cartoonist who drew Tiger Mask. Oh, okay. 
and they ran a show, and uh, we've got uh, and they had uh, Lita versus Ayayagi on it before FMW found it. That was really, really great. So we had one match from that. We were going to put on Fujiwara versus a kickboxer, but it isn't as good as Fujiwara versus a kickboxer, and we don't know the guy's name. We hope that would be. We're actually not going to be playing about. Really excited about Fujiwara versus a random kickboxer on the show uh, celebrating the guy who drew Tiger back. Not good. And then uh, FMW started in like 89. So maybe like maybe June 89 or July 89. So there's maybe four FMW shows. Uh, and then Pioneer, which was a promotion that uh, uh, was run by Yamato. I think there's one Pioneer match on those sides. <laughs> that, only had, that only had like three shows in 89. It was one of those things that started up right before, uh, right before the 90s. So that was what was going on. I mean, mainly most of this set is UWF 1 and UWF 2, which really, really had a lot of really great stuff. Like, those, that was, that was, those were two promotions that you watched that stuff, and it was where a lot of it was really spectacular. And a lot of, even the stuff that I didn't like that much, like, I didn't like a lot of stuff. I think we'll probably say it was pretty high. Like I said, a lot of the Takata stuff, which I know a lot of people love, I didn't care for. Um, but I know that's going to finish really high. Um, so it's cool. I mean, like and that, like I said, that, that was a part of, even me, the super uh, nerd that I have about this stuff, I hadn't watched, hardly, I had hardly seen any of it. So it really was me coming into it pretty much blind when me and Tom decided to, sit, to go ahead and sit down and watch every single, every single stitch of it to, uh, to, get, uh, to get the stuff for the set. I don't know my favorite horrible story I have, dedicating ourselves to watching all of this at 2.30 in the morning on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning was uh, this one UWF2 show that, this is my favorite booking ever, opens up with two undercard 30-minute draws. <laughs> back to back. Wow. <laughs> back to back. Uh, you guys, like, what was it? it was, I think it was um, Nakano versus uh, this, this, this uh, um, undercard guy, which didn't make any, didn't really, uh, didn't really, he only made one set. Uh, what the hell was his name? He was really expectorant. So it was like, I can't remember this guy. i got to go look this up now. Like, I couldn't remember his name. He was really expectorant. Like, all of his selling, he was selling kind of uh, tubular, like he had tuberculosis. Oh. Or uh, consumption. He was a consumptive seller. So he'd have these, every time he'd wrestle, he'd be like, oh, like that would be how he would sell you again. Wow. So it was like that guy, that guy versus the Kato, they had, they would have 30, they had like, I don't know, maybe a dozen different 30-minute draws on the course of these sets. Every time you see wrestling, you go, oh, shit, it's going to last forever. It's going to suck. I'm going to be repulsed because this guy's going to be hocking up, chunks through his lung, and spitting it all over the mat, the entire match. So it's like you couldn't, you could be like, why well, is like, order a pizza? Well, because you're watching wrestling. You couldn't order a pizza and watch one of these guys. I'm not a guy who's easily disgusted. I played rugby in college, you know, I... I've done some repulsive things um, in my life, but this guy, like this guy's tubular selling, was really just unbearable. So you had him and Nakato had a thirty-minute draw, and then the other thirty-minute draw was Minoru Suzuki, uh, who showed up kind of near the end of UWF, uh, mm-hmm. uh, near the end of the eighties. It was they brought over, they got kind of grabbed um, him and Funaki, uh, who ended up forming Pancras. Both of them, they, they were big-time uh, New Japan rookie guys who Fujiwara kind of brought over when he came over, and they kind of really uh, got the uh, got the uh, undercards. Undercards were kind of bad until those guys showed up. So it's Minoru Suzuki versus Mark. Mark Rush was a guy, like a Greco-Roman guy who I don't think had very much professional experience. Like a Greco-Roman guy with no professional experience, 
against Noro Suzuki, who also did that particular uh, ton of professional experience. And some music because those guys were guys who really kind of had, I don't know, had about 10 minutes of stuff they could do. Uh-huh. They had about 10 minutes of stuff they could do and, and kind of be entertaining. The problem was they were booked until 30. They just did those <laughs> 10 minutes over and over again. I think that would have made the set. I, I, I think that was one that we actually decided to go ahead and put on the set just because it was like a 30-minute drama community. It was one of those kind of things that we thought everybody should say. Wow. Shiego Miato. There we go. There's our expectorant um, undercarter. Expectorant undercarter is Shiego Miato. Oh. Anyway, like anybody gave a crap. But uh, but there. Uh, there's a lot of Norman Smiley in the first in there, that second UWF. Although I don't know if we and Norman Smiley wasn't very good, so I don't know if he, we ended up uh, putting any of it on there. He's there. Okay. So that was oh. like that. So if you could imagine having to opening a card, and I hadn't seen the results of the show, we were looking to see what was on them all, mm-hmm. and oh, and you know having to you know having a DVD that's about your about you have to watch get this done. This was, you know we watched these kind of in order. So this was and they were almost finished with this project. And just knowing that when you know that sitting there was a show opening with opening up two thirty minute undercard draws. It was like, oh, my God. All right, put it in. Let's watch it. Let me get some uh, ginger ale out of my stomach while I watch Miato. Get up chunks of his lung all over the ring. Uh, I know, you, I know the, uh, the website did a lot of uh, polls for the 90s for WWF. These didn't have DVDs. Uh, will these ever be revisited? Or are these gonna I don't know. I mean, we, good Lord, the, the rate this 80s thing is going to go. We'll have to... We'll have to uh, well, uh, by the time we finish, it'll be about time to do the matches of the 2010s. But uh, <laughs> I don't. We'd be need Dick and Chris talk about revisiting the 90s too after we're done with it. So, I mean, the real the problem is you look back at the 90s. Well, it was a lot of fun to do. Is the results were kind of not great. And if you look back at what ended up finishing, um, most of the stuff it's kind of like, oh, this isn't very good. There's a lot of things that nobody voted for that like. Uh, you know, even though I look at my ballot, it's like, in, in retrospect, it's like, man, I wish I'd see more of this stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, I think my, um, the Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham versus Terry Gordy, Steve Williams tag title change, not the one from the pages, the one from WCW Saturday Night, where uh, Williams and Gordy won the tag title back. Mm-hmm. Or no, where Dustin and Barry won the tag title. It's probably, like, my second or third favorite match in the WCW in the 90s. And I didn't, hadn't seen it when I did the polls, and I don't even think anybody voted for it. So there's a lot of stuff like that where you watch that, or, or if you watch, or I'm a, a big Lucha fan, um, and I've been to Mexico a couple of times to see that show, I'm a big Lucha fan, and, um, and like, you know, the Lucha stuff is all right in the stereo AAA matches. There's nothing for me on my wow. And it's like, and when you, when you look back on sort of that set, you're like, man, it'd be really cool if, we had been able to do what we were doing for this for the 90s so people would actually be able to see. Like, uh, like you, uh, a Japan Indies thing. I don't think there's hardly any rings or hardly any UWFI or hardly any battle arts. And all that stuff is really great. And, you know, it's just all, I don't know, you kind of imagine which kind of are the things that age about as poorly as anything else in the 90s. I don't know you're having a match because they're kind of, yeah. you watch them, you're like, hey, this is, I'm pretty sure I saw uh, Eric Cannon and uh, <laughs> Eric Cannon and Danny Daniels work this exact same match. <laughs> 25 minutes is really terrible. Almost a bad move for move uh, copy of that. That may have had better selling. 
Will we ever uh, see the? We're uh, hoping to do the nineties again. I, I, but I mean, Lord, like I said, this eighties thing, we still have fifteen more, you know, ten more sets to do, and you know, we're 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 not the most efficient folks in the world, any of us. So, more I mean, who knows? You know, just at that point, you know. Although, unlike, you know, you know, everybody might be married and have a real job at that point, and not be able to. Yeah, that could be. Exactly. I just I, I can't picture uh, the best of the 2000s Japan indies because you have to watch like every DDT show to uh, see what makes the ballot. <laughs> you have to watch every DDT show, baby. That's if you got to do it, you got to do it. I mean, that's the, <laughs> that's the way it works. I'm out there watching the 2:30 minute, uh, the 2:30 yeah. minute of UWF draws, so you don't have to watch them. Some of these guys take the bullet. Somebody, there's somebody. We'd be able to find somebody to watch the DDT and tell me the, and, uh, and separate the wheat from the chaff. Hell, man, we still, got, <laughs> we still got some, we still got some rough age. Like I said, I don't, I'd rather watch every DDT show and see what was good and bad than, uh, poor, uh, David and Chris who had to watch every, every, like, Metal and WWF show from me. Plus all that stuff. I've got, uh, 24 7 now, man. So that shit's painful. <laughs> I just kind of actually picked that up last week. It was, uh, it was like six bucks a month or something like that for uh, 24-7. So uh, yeah. me and Tom were reviewing some of that on Saguna Kaida. I'm going to look at sagunakaida.blogspot.com. Um, but uh, the way, uh, that's something uh, that now that I have. It's another thing for me to waste uh, my time on. <laughs> What other polls are uh, coming up? Is there a Crockett one? I think was uh, we're going to do. Next? We're going to do. Uh, well, we haven't. I think we don't think we fully decided exactly what what we're going to do with that stuff. Our original idea was to do a poll that was just called solely, and we're just going to do every promotion solely. Then, mm-hmm. so that was going to include Crockett, Florida, and then Atlantic, and then the end, uh, and like some some Tennessee stuff. I don't know exactly how we're going to break that down, right? Because you don't know. Does Crockett include Mid Atlantic before Crockett? Does it include Florida? So we have to figure that out. So, I mean, everything that everything that showed up on a tape from the '80s eventually will get watched, called down into a DVD set, and set out. I don't think we're exactly sure what we're going to do. There. We've got Watts is the one we're kind of working on now. Um, we're trying to starting to put together footage for that, hmm. uh, which should be really good. Uh, and then we're going to do AWA, and we're going to do Tennessee and Texas, and you know, New Japan and All Japan and Lucha. Um, uh, Joshi Rathlin, Europe. We got there's apparently a guy on our board who is trying to get his hands on uh, on all kinds of early '80s German wrestling for the Europe one. Wow, which I'm really excited about because I haven't seen a ton of ton of German wrestling. And uh, outside of that, uh, the uh, Killer Call Krupp uh, uh, <laughs> reenactment of World War II, and, you know, yeah, lots of that. I think Killer Carl Krupp probably wasn't actually German, but. Uh, I remember actually there is a one match, I think it may have been I don't know, Schneider at one point. It's a really, really great auto watch versus Vader match, I think it's from the eighties. So I think like that Yeah, I think that was on a tape and you said uh I remember the description, you said Wands moves and looks like Boss Hogg from the Dukes of Hazard. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. I, that does sound like a description. that's a completely accurate description. It does sound like something I would say. So yes, yeah, uh, imagine imagine kind of a greenish Vader punching Boss Hawkins out of the face. <laughs> and Otto Watts is a guy who's kind of very physical. From at least the sense I got from him is that guy's very physically untalented, but a guy who's worked as a main event wrestler enough mm-hmm. that he knows how to put together a main event wrestling match. You know, there's a, there's actually a big difference between a main event wrestling match and a match that opens a card. 
And Ottawa is the guy who is not going to work a 10, 11, 12-minute opener that's going to be anything you'd ever want to watch. But it's going to be a guy who you put in a main of that match. You put together a main of that match in the way you're going to want to watch. This is my sense. I don't want. It's kind of the same sense you get. Oh, guys like that. Like Carlos Colon's like that. You know, Dusty's like that. Is it all? You know, you know, Dusty Rhodes as undercarder in the WWF. There's no no one who ever. I don't know if you remember that. You know that oh, yeah. Dusty Rhodes works in undercarder in the WWF. Okay, doesn't work well as an undercarder. Yeah. His stuff doesn't work as a guy working uh, honky tonk man fourth from the top. He just doesn't. He, he doesn't. He, his stuff can't do that. But he's a guy who, in a man of that, even now, him him versus Terry Funk in a cage from a South Carolina indie three months ago. Even though Terry Funk's eighty and he's seventy-two and has diabetes and you know he's going to lose a foot, go blind in six weeks, they could still work a main event match that's compelling and interesting. They want to see Dusty Rhodes versus Bob Orton uh, Jr. at the. Uh, me and Tom went down to. Um, Virginia to go to a uh, Ward family show. Do you know what the Ward family promotions are? Marvin Ward? Yeah, vaguely. He's a guy who, I, you know, I think he's actually starting to promote more now. He's a guy who's kind of famous for running one show a year as a hospital benefit. where We would bring in, like, a lot of older guys to uh, this town in Virginia and draw, like, 2,500 people. But, uh, you know, he was, like, the guy who consistently once a year for a hospital benefit bring in, you know, you know, the Rock and Roll Express and all these old guys and be like, that would be the biggest drawing and be card of the year. So it's very weird. So we, we went down to Virginia for the, this year's Marvin Award show because um, you know, it was made out by Jerry Waller, Bill Dundee, which even in 2006, Bill Dundee is old. I mean, even old in the way old wrestlers are old. I think he may almost be in his late, he may be in his mid-60s. Um, uh, so it feels like you got to see if you have a chance to see Jerry Lawler build on D live versus build on D live and once in your life you should go see Jerry Lawler versus build on D live once in your life. So we're in a car, drove down to Virginia, and we had to, I actually had to bribe my way in because it was sold out. Like the guy actually said, "Yeah, we don't have any more tickets." So I'm like, "This is an indie wrestling show. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> who, who? What indie wrestling promoter is going to sell me a ticket to watch an indie wrestling show?" Which blew me away. Actually, I actually had to, it was like a hospital day. I had to like really be like, "Look." We drove from D.C., how about I extend the donation a bit? I just slipped the guy some money. I got into the Bonetti Rumble. But I slipped the money. I drove from D.C. I slipped the guy some money. Was the show. And it's quite amusing, amusing show. Waller.D is amazing, even with both guys being old as dark. Like, you know, they neither of them knew forgot how to punch. Bill D took, like, four bumps. I was assuming Bill Dundee take any bumps. Uh, really great. But, like, Dusty was working Bob Orton Jr. in kind of really like a fourth-from-the-top match. And even, yeah, while Dusty made a venting in 2006, but Dusty fourth-from-the-top against Bob Orton, kind of a meaningless match with, like, David Flair as a referee. It's not good. And I get the sense that Dusty versus Bob Orton fourth-from-the-top, that wouldn't be good ever. Like, not just because both guys are old and it's 2006, but 20 years ago, Dusty Rhodes versus Bob Orton Jr. took fourth in the top wouldn't be any good either. And it's like, uh, bottom one, I think it's a Dusty Rhodes. That was a long anecdote to get to that point. But there was a really bad Maven Al Snow match on that show. Just the uh, worst wrestling match I've ever seen live. Really? Yeah, and that with Hermie Sadler as the special ref. I think it had four turns in the middle of the match. Like, oh, I think it started out... 
face versus face, and then I think at one point Al Snow turned heel, and I think at a different point in the match Maven turned heel. I think there was a point where Hermie Sadler turned heel, and there was a thing, <laughs> I think there was a point where there was a double turn where Hermie Sadler turned back face, and then Al Snow turned heel for like the second time. Wow. It was it was as bad as a wrestling match I've ever seen live. It was amazing. It was like you just kept on and I cannot believe because those guys both South Snow and Maven both suck, but not this is a suck in a completely different kind of way. <laughs> Uh, and uh, really, really good grappler George Southmarsh. Wow. I really enjoyed. Uh, and then uh, then there was a Sanjay Dutt, Mikey Bass, uh, uh-huh. Ultra Dragon, who's I think a, a Virginia indie wrestler. He kind of works with a guy in a mask who lands wrong on his shoulder on the outside a bunch of times gimmick. Uh, worked a match that was actually paced exactly, that had exactly the same psychology as the grappler versus George Southmarsh. It was all about like heel working over the leg. <laughs> you know, face making some comebacks and watching that. And go, Aren't these guys sitting there back in the monitor? Why are these guys working the same match as the Grappler versus George South? These guys can't work the match like the Grappler versus George South can. They should know that. Uh, these are all the jokes I had for the worker report. I was too lazy to write. That's what oh, I that's okay. I'll, I'll tell them now. I didn't write the didn't write the road report. I was uh, other shit going on, but uh, <laughs> I write the jokes. All right. Well, my last question to you is. Uh... What good wrestling you've been watching lately? It just seems like you just watch every wrestling show. Yeah, yeah. What good wrestling have I been watching lately? Um, what did I watch that was good? I, I watch a lot of wrestling too. Tom is a D. He's one of my running buddy for this kind of nonsense. He's decamped to Hawaii on a mysterious mission, so for an indeterminate amount of time. So for like the last week or so, I haven't watched a ton of wrestling. I'm trying to watch a bunch more. Fujiwara, because we're going to try to do like a Fujiwara of the day thing like we need for Dustin. So like a lot of, like I got really, really into him watching this set. And so I picked up a bunch of this stuff outside. So some really great stuff in like that UWF New Japan feud I was talking about. Um, I uh, What else have I enjoyed lately? Um, there's, uh, watching some of that WWF 24-7 on demand, I really liked. There's a David San Martino versus Moondog Rex match. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed from uh, WWF 24-7. Um, which I thought was the, the, which I kind of, it was kind of, I watched it, David Tomartino is a guy with nice punches, takes two bumps and has an impressive press lands in the dog rack, which is kind of an impressive power move, he's been on actually fat. So I, you know, I kind of watched it and go, wow, how could a guy with nice punches, two bumps and one power move not become a star in the WWF in the 80s? You feel like really all, you feel like, you feel like you really only need one of those three things to become a star in the 80s. And all three feels like you should have had the belt at some point. So I was amused by that. Um, what uh, what else have I been? I I really enjoyed Big Math Loud, which is not a business, but that's a promotion that I, that I really enjoyed. Uh, not really because of their main events, which everybody else likes. So I thought it was very good, but they've got that's a promotion that will bring in uh, under Carters, I want to say. Um, and I uh, went to a recent. I went to the ROH show that had uh, Samoa Joe versus American Dragon, the 50 minute draw, hmm. which is a match I think which is a match New Jersey lost its patience with, but yeah. should, not be ju- should not be judged on these standards of keeping the patience of people from New Jersey. Like, <laughs> does that make sense? Is that what I said? Oh, yeah. There? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, people should pick that up on uh, DVD because it's really good. And just because a lot of, like, the live reports were that the crowd lost its patience with that New Jersey, there are people, uh, people with, uh, the people who might lose their patience with something gone. And um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Damian Wayne is on Heat. Go watch oh. Damian Wayne on Heat. He's got a guy from uh, around here, a local Virginia guy, who's as good as anybody else uh, 
wrestling on the Indies in the cold country, and nobody's heard of him. Uh, and so you should go watch him on Heat. Uh, Bob being really big for Lance Kane, uh, Trevor Murdoch. Who also are two guys really great that we talked about. Oh. And uh, my TiVo, key, I'm supposed to be doing the ECW work report, but my TiVo keeps not taping it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, which feels like almost my TiVo may, it may have been, this may be the point in every shitty science fiction novel where, uh, where technology, uh, where technology develops independent intelligence. <laughs> this may be the point where my TiVo said, I'm not taping this shit. This may be the point, you know, where in every bad science fiction movie where now the computers take over. My TiVo refute consistently refute only consistently refusing to tape ECW. Uh, maybe I, I, it's concerning to me. Um, and I'm really upset. Blue Panther, uh, I think wrestled uh, wrestling uh, uh, Super Astro tonight in Chicago uh, at the Congress of Illusion Library. So if anybody's in Chicago, they should go see that. I uh, actually one of the random things I did in, in, in wrestling in my life was at one point I got flown down to Monterey, Mexico to do play by to do play by play commentary on a lucha pilot. It was me and Champagne. I mean, you remember Champagne? You probably saw him on the Schneider Cup. He's a, a North Carolina oh, yeah. indie That's guy. Right. He was an indie guy. He was one of the Omega. He was the one Omega guy that never got signed anywhere. Uh, for some reason, like everybody else, in the entire promotion ended up in the WWF or WCW. And he had a brief, he was briefly as the Duff's manager in ECW. And then uh, was a guy who he was famous for taking uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley's pedigree really wrong. That's right, right on so his like head. A, yeah, it was why he took it like, directly out of his head. I think he actually told me that he was he so used to getting power bombs. He was working Jason Hart, who was a guy who, who worked as uh, Joey Asman that we got for a while. Was bad him on the Indies. And, like, the guy that should have been big and kind of left wrestling because he ended up, uh, um, Matt Hardy ended up screwing his girlfriend. He went up going nuts. But, uh, so, uh, I brought him down to Mexico with me, too. And, uh, so me and Champagne did color commentary on a, uh, on a, a Lucha show, uh, that was main evented by, uh, the main event of the show was like a tag tournament. The main event of the show was Blue Panther and Titanico versus Solo One and Super Astro, which may have been maybe the top two or three wrestling matches I've ever seen live. So if anybody's, I almost flew to Chicago just because they were running kind of some version of that match. So if anybody's in Chicago, go uh, go to uh, the Congress to Lucha Libre, go see that. Um, but uh, uh, that's my uh, that's my only wrestling that's my only wrestling plug. It's a free show, so then there's no excuse for anybody that's around Chicago not to see Blue Panther on one side and Super Astro on the other side for free. Well, I'm sure the Cubs fan will be there. He's always at these shows. He's, he's always at the show. I think uh, my buddy Kevin Cook's going to be there. A bunch of people are going to be there. I went to a, I was really upset because I was in Chicago last month um, visiting a bunch of friends of mine uh, for a bit. Uh, and I went actually ended up going to the, this promotion's show right before that show, main evented by, <laughs> main evented by a um, Blue Demon Jr. and our, uh, Blue Demon Jr. and a, uh, Hurricane Ramirez, I don't know which one, but I think there's 50 guys working in the Hurricane Ramirez Jr. gimmick over, all over the course of Mexico. So one of them, um, versus, uh, Rey Mysterio Sr. and, um, Archangel de la Muerte, which is just a terrible name. <laughs> and like, and the fact that they ran, that was the show that I was in town for. The guy I was staying with was like a block from the arena. I walked over. 
with a friend of mine's wife who's a got like a PhD in uh, anthropology, and I convinced her somehow to go with this. To be, so as long as anthropology, we could do like a study of it. Uh, so I went to that. So I've actually been to the, the arena where they're running this absolutely spectacular main event. I think it's actually Blue Panther and Tarzan Boy versus La Parca and Super Astro. And I had like possibly the worst fly and lucha made of I can't imagine a shittier fly and lucha made of that than uh, Blue Demon <laughs> Jr. Well, I mean, Argentina Marsh is really good, but Blue Demon Jr. on one side is your push guy against Ray Mysterio Sr. on the other side is push guy. That's as bad as it gets. Because neither of those guys, those guys are two guys who are both pretty old. And although I haven't seen, I've seen, haven't seen any Ray Mysterio Sr. in the 80s. But those are two guys who are, there's a lot of guys who are really old and stink now, but at one point were good in Lucha, because Lucha's like, I guess it's like wrestling, where nobody retires. Um, yeah. Like Fishman, really, he's really terrible now, but Fishman <laughs> in the 80s was pretty good. You know, uh, Paraguay, senior, can't do anything. Paraguay, senior in the 80s is really good if you ever see that. But Ray Mysterio Sr., Blue Demon Jr., those are guys who are never good. And now Ray Mysterio Sr., so old that I the other time I saw him live in Atlanta, or uh, Buddy Thompson live in Atlanta, he wouldn't take bumps against the ropes. Like, if you got whipped to the ropes, he would stop a fraction before hitting the rope and then run forward. Wow. <laughs> you know, imagine, you know, that, that guy works the band. The most amusing thing was he's, they, they lifted him on the call, on the uh, poster as Ray Mysterio, and he came out. <laughs> and, <laughs> he comes out wearing a Ray Mysterio Jr. mask. It'll really amusing. This is the guy. This this is the way this guy is living the remainder of his professional career as a guy disappointing lots of little kids. <laughs> <laughs> like the card says, Ray Mysterio. They show up, and Ray Mysterio Senior, who is fat as all get out and cannot really move, shows up wearing that mask. Not actually incorrect. That is Ray Mysterio. He was Ray Mysterio before Ray Mysterio was Ray Mysterio. <laughs> Yeah, but you can always kind of you can almost see the deflating of eight year olds. <laughs> <laughs> that fat bastard came out to accept his plaque. He was just like, oh, it ruined this little kid's day. Yeah, I, t- I talked about that show with the Cubs fan, and I asked him if kids were wondering when uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. got old and fat, and uh, <laughs> maybe his uh, liver enzymes got elevated that day. His liver enzymes, I think, his uh, it was uh, full of pork. That's what I was. <laughs> <laughs> His carnita sometimes got elevated that day. That's bad as hell. But, uh, no, it was, um, it was an amusing show, but I was just, when I saw that the next month was uh, that match, I was like, mother, God, ah. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Lucha, I don't, but yeah, the other thing is anybody, if anybody ever, you're a, you're a Lucha fan, yeah. Sure. Uh, any, have you ever seen Lucha Live? No, never have. It is, it's the best. I've been to a bunch of Lucha shows live. And it is absolutely the best, like, lot of places. Only, only place that ever gets bad. It's that, and we're watching a show in, like, some armory in the middle of uh, the South somewhere. Where, yeah. Those are the best Those are the best wrestling audiences uh, to watch shows. It's all little kids, and people really into what was going on. And, um, but, I, yeah, I've seen, I've, I've actually been to, I don't know. They used to, they used to show, run uh, shows down in, uh, in Atlanta um, for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jer- Gary Joster would run shows in Atlanta, and we used to... We does shoot down there and hang out, uh, hang out with Chris Elder and uh, Wes. Guys, both on the board. We used to go to those shows until like I don't know, two or three. And those were yeah, where you'd see like, uh, and we would be be in this uh, arena in Atlanta, like twenty two hundred people, you know, six white people, 
<laughs> and you know, and in watching all and all these all these guys getting paid in real actual spendable currencies, and then I'll be working really hard. Um, yeah, so I went to I went to that. I went to a Lima Mexico one. Um, down on a business trip, I got to see. Uh, I once saw a lucha show in um, in I was in a bat. It was a hoops court in Playa de Carmen, Mexico. Like yeah, there's a Playa triple Carmen. A. It was, well, I don't know what the hell it was. They called oh. it a lie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some guys in Playa de Carmel with masks on. I think there may have been a, I think the big star on that show was Minnie LaParca Jr. Wow. So, but yeah, it's a triple A show in Playa de Karma, which is, the bad event was, you know, god awful, but Hoops Court, uh, with, with, uh, with, um, plastic garbage bags on the chain link fence so nobody could watch for free. They had to pay the, uh, I don't know. Dollar seventy five or something it took to get into the show, but I mean, even that was like the worst round. One of some of the worst actual work I'd ever seen live. Just a blast. So you should. Uh, you know, where are you? Where are you at, Joe? I'm in New England. So New England. Okay. Not not a vibrant <laughs> lucha scene up Next here. Next time they bring uh, lucha libre to uh, to Providence, Rhode Island, <laughs> <laughs> you should check it out. Uh, yeah, that's my recommendation. Providence, Rhode Island, lucha libre. And uh, they don't have. They, they uh, ran a show once. One show got in. Uh, it was a lucha show in DC once, but I went to it and actually ended up. Uh, so I ended up down in Mexico. I ended up like, you know, talking to the promoter and uh, getting in with him for a bit. And, uh, but uh, it was pretty cool. But it, that's uh, I don't know how we got on that. But anybody, people in Coach Chicago, go see Blue Panther. Okay, that sounds uh, a good place to end as any. I told you it'd be about 40 minutes. We are fast approaching an hour, so uh, okay. we'll wrap yeah, this whatever, up. Whatever, whatever you want, buddy. All right. I got, and, I got, uh, I got, all I got to do is make more, uh, burn more DVDs. That's my big plan. Uh, my big plan for this afternoon is... Uh, wow. is no, I have to check my mailbox, uh, see if my DVD is showing up. Uh, I, uh, uh, I am. Do you want me to see if I send it to you? All you, you sent sure, me why not? All right, why I got to... I got a uh, I got a, and a list of who I send stuff to. I'll see if you're on my list. Uh, if not, if not, I'll make sure I'll make sure that you go out in the next batch. Uh, batch, buddy. Um, yeah, check your. Uh, let me see. You didn't give me some weird name, right? You didn't give me like nope. a mailing label. Your mailing label, your grandma, or anything like that. Nope. Do do do. Uh, I was thinking went out on Thursday. Uh-huh. So you sent it out on Thursday, so what is it Saturday? Yeah. Decent, decent chance. Go check your mailbox. All right, we'll check my mailbox. So we'll all watch, uh, watch Minoru Suzuki versus Johnny Barrett <laughs> and write about it on the, uh, on the, uh, Too Short board. So anybody that's listening, we're, like, uh, that didn't get this out the first time around, uh, we're uh, probably going to, I don't know which we're going to sell them for, probably 30 bucks, something like that. Uh, but absolutely guarantee that you will not be disappointed. It's got... My, it's got a little, it's got a, a fair amount of my sweat, not as much blood, but there were some tears that we'd be <laughs> and top put into putting this thing together. So everybody should check it out. Yo, I enjoyed right. it myself. Thank you for, uh, I'll, uh, I'll uh, show this. Okay. Uh, that's at uh, deathvalleydriver.com. Go to the message board. The wrestling forum, just look for the uh, the 80s, also the Fujiwara of the day. Guna Kaida. Blogspot.com. Yep. That's right. That's uh, it's been updated in uh, since Monday, but I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, 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 like I said, I'm about eighty percent. I'm eighty percent through this Metal Land show. Uh, 
I've been making DVDs, baby. I've been busy, but I'm 80% <laughs> through a metal ant show that I'm going to finish, and uh, I'll have uh, me making uh, uh, making jokes about Jim Brunzel, Kurt Henning, undercard matches because like 15 minutes is really good. Writing about that as we speak, so expect something up there today. All right, good stuff. Definitely want to thank you for being on. We'll uh, try to get you on again when uh, if you, we do another uh, if you do another DVD set. And uh, yeah, well, we'll, be, uh, we'll get the results out. Oh yeah, that'd be great. There you go. Well, how about that? Uh, I don't mean to like insert myself into your show again, but why don't we uh, when we do the results? We'll probably be out in about two and a half, three months. I'll come on and uh, talk about. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, what finished too low? What finished too high? <laughs> that kind of stuff. All right, and I want to thank everyone for listening. You can go to thecubsfan.com. We have a full archive of shows, all kinds of stuff, shows about Lucha, Japan, you name it, we have it. And uh, I'm going to be talking to Dean tomorrow. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and uh, that I'm show will be warm- able to... I'm, a, I'm on the, guy, I'm the goddamn warm back is what you said. Well, yeah, he finally got back to me, and uh, I'll be talking to him tomorrow. That show will be up a bit later in the week to not oversaturate. He's been running my coattails for years now. Yeah, I've been doing all the work. He's been sliding on reputation and his daughter's drawings for years. Oh. <laughs> you got to get another opportunity for him just to show up, you know, ride, you know, ride my jet stream for a little while longer. Oh, I'll, I'll mention so, that to him tomorrow. Yeah, we'll mention that to that piece of crap. Uh, oh, boy. Well, definitely want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, again, check a bit back later in the week. I'll have uh, Dean Rasmussen. I think I said that right. I'll assume I did. I imagine the only person who will let you get in less of a word about it edgewise than I just said. <laughs> oh, do you have any final words for the uh, the public? No, no. Okay, great. Read, well, read, 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 out, read everything I write and go see uh, we'll be out there. There you go. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and I will talk to you real soon. <laughs>